We are continuing our series called Receive the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's, all, it's this idea that the ministry Jesus performed in his body on earth is the same ministry Jesus wants to perform through his body, the church on earth today. That's you and me, by the power of the Spirit. Jesus gives us his Spirit so that we can carry on his work in the world. And you just heard about Royal Family Kids. That is the work of Jesus in the world, empowered by the Spirit. But it's not just, it's not just that. It's preaching the good news, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, justice for the poor, like RFK. And then the intense, beautiful, vulnerable practice of community. And then the bold practice of hospitality, community and hospitality. Jesus did all of these things. And he empowers all of us to do all of these things by his Holy Spirit, who is God, uh, the third person of the Trinity with us. God is with us and in us, empowering us. So specifically last week, we looked at community. um, And this week, we're looking at hospitality. And the way we're talking about this is community and hospitality are the inhale and exhale of a church that is alive in the Spirit. So think of breathing in and breathing out. We use that picture of a body uh, that is breathing well. And we ask, how are we breathing? How are you breathing? Inhale community where you're experiencing deep, authentic relationships with people, not just a group of friends, but a group of disciples who are committed to being transformed into the likeness of not any person other than Jesus. Uh, So Jesus has a worldview. He has a way of reading scripture. He has a way of living in the world. He calls himself the truth and the life. Where are we all becoming like him in committed community? That's the inhale of the spirit in a church. We talked about that last week. If you missed it, go and catch the podcast. Uh, And this week, it's the exhale. Where are we reaching out and being the hands and feet of welcome and invitation and eating and drinking with people who are far from God? That's Jesus' way of evangelism. Uh, his, his specific way is hospitality, uh, being present and welcoming wherever he goes. He, you know, he didn't necessarily have a home of his own, uh, but he made, he made his home the homes of everyone he ate with, <laughs> wherever he was, which is profound, actually. And we're going to see that today. So how are you breathing? How's your inhale in community and exhale into hospitality? So um, we are going to have Elijah Enos read, I think he's 10 or 11. He's going to read uh, from a story of Jesus in Luke 19, because we're in the Gospel of Luke for these two weeks specifically, because Jesus is presented as the Spirit-filled Messiah in this Gospel very profoundly. And so Elijah Enos, take it away, read the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. This is Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. 
But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here, and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, that it's true. Your word reveals your son, and your spirit illuminates our minds to what you say through your word. And so, Father, Son, and Spirit, just work on your church today, we pray. Have your way. Make us open, vulnerable, authentic, hospitable Christians like Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start with one question. Who did you lose these last two years? I'm not talking about losing someone's life to COVID, and that's super tragic enough. That would be, that's horrific, and our heart goes out to you if that's you. But I'm, I'm asking, I mean, who did you lose due to all, all the hostility these last two years? The hostility, whether it was over all the political upheaval or, or uh, masking, anti-masking, politics, conspiracy theories, whatever it may be. Who did you lose? Was it a friend, a coworker, a family member, a neighbor? Um, did you distance yourself from anyone like that? And you're no longer experiencing the same closeness. Um, last year, during our, during our future church series, I talked about the relationships in my own life that got strained over these last couple years. Relationships I never thought would change, but they did. Um, or maybe you're watching this and you're listening. You're like, Evan's just being dramatic. I'm fine. Um, is, Evan's just talking about the culture wars again or whatever. Uh, no, I, so if that's how you're responding to this, I would ask you this. Like, who, maybe who did you block last year or mute? Who did you unfollow? Who did you distance yourself from because you couldn't take their input anymore? Their opinions or their text comes through and you're like, oh, I'm not going to respond to them anymore. Our nation remains deeply divided. And what's been gut-wrenching for me to watch, and many of us, is that same division in society has crept into the church. Like people leaving their churches, people leaving spiritual families simply because their church didn't say enough about racism, or maybe their church said too much for their liking, or they felt their church didn't follow the CDC closely enough, or followed too closely for their liking. Um, or maybe there are people who left because their church didn't like outright support Trump. Or maybe because their church did. Um, so division turns neighbors into strangers, and then strangers become threats. And we feel threatened. We perceive our neighbors now as the enemy. So against all of that noise, I want to read a quote from Henry Nouwen, the beloved author. Um, he offers a solution to this division. And he says, is it possible for Christians to offer an open and hospitable space where strangers can cast off their strangeness and become our fellow human beings? That is our vocation, to convert the enemy into a guest and to create the free and fearless space where brotherhood and sisterhood can be formed and fully experienced. Man, don't you long for that? This is our call as Jesus followers, to convert the enemy into a guest. 
Nowen wrote that, Henry Nowen wrote that decades ago, and it feels like it could have been written like this spring right now in 2022. And Jesus was an expert in this, moving, moving people from hostility to hospitality. And as a church, we are called to be experts in that movement from hostility to hospitality. And it's not easy. Jesus literally died to turn enemies into family. So that kind of love, that kind of love will cost us a kind of death. Uh, moving all these relationships we have, the tense ones and the awkward ones into family and hospitality and welcome, it won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. This is our vocation because it's the way of Jesus, hospitality. And again, this is the exhale of a healthy body. Uh, the healthy body of Christ filled with the Spirit will breathe like this. So um, Jesus said in his famous Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. Maybe you've heard that. It's easy to forget, though, the context of that. The blessing right before it says, blessed are the pure in heart. And then the blessing right after it says, blessed are those who are persecuted. So it's as if to be a peacemaker... It requires both a pure heart and a willingness to suffer persecution. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus was a peacemaker, and Jesus was not a peacekeeper. So there's a difference, huge. So when you think peacekeeper, think like Hunger Games, you know, the peacekeepers. Uh, they just keep the status quo of the empire. When the status quo, even when it's unjust, peacekeepers just keep it chill. Um, but a peacemaker brings two enemies together and mediates the hard work of reconciliation to turn enemies into family. Um, and that's exactly what Jesus does. He doesn't settle for false peace. He makes true peace. And, and so that's what the church, breathing healthily, will do. So now we come to Luke 19. Elijah just read the story of Zacchaeus where Jesus is the perfectly spirit-filled human. That's why we're looking at Luke during a Holy Spirit series, because whatever Jesus does, we can see the Holy Spirit mirroring that through us. And so Jesus has his community around him, his disciples, and he's preaching all over, and he's getting famous. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus. And now Jesus is walking through Jericho, a famous biblical city, and he comes across this guy, Zacchaeus, and we're told two things about Zacchaeus. He's short and he's rich. <laughs> so like think Kevin Hart, short and rich. I think it's pretty accurate, Kevin Hart. Um, but there's one more thing Luke doesn't say. Luke does say about Zacchaeus that's different than Kevin Hart. We love Kevin. He's easy to love. Israel loved to hate Zacchaeus um, because he wasn't just a tax collector. Um, he was a chief tax collector, not just a nice IRS agent. This guy was, he would garnish the extra income from his town around him for his own gain. Um, he's the only chief, chief tax collector in the Bible, so it's interesting. Um, now, it's hard to feel the weight of this today, so I'll just put it this way. Zacchaeus was the most deplorable person in the crowd that day. He was hated by everyone around him. I don't know about you, but I love that Jesus eats and drinks with sinners. That feels really good to me. Um, just as long as they're not sinners like me. 
or as, as long as they are, rather. <laughs> I love that Jesus eats with sinners because that means he eats with me and I feel comfortable around him. Um, I get that. I love when Jesus does that. But Zacchaeus wasn't like many other people. He was a traitor. He was the sinner who's not like me. Um, he extracted money to help the Roman Empire, which was holding down the Jewish people through random acts of mass violence in their own homeland. So this is the category. This is like a serious social stigma of like, like, a, like a sexual predator or a terrorist in our day. Totally different category than just like a different politician. Um, forget politics. This is like a true enemy of society. And, and so Zacchaeus, despite his wealth and power, he was hated for who he was and what he did. And now, here, here it is. Zacchaeus is looking for Jesus. This deplorable is in his own way looking for Jesus. So look at verse 3 and 4. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, in Sunday school, we were taught about Zacchaeus. This story is like kids' ministry fodder. It's the best to talk to kids. He was so short. Um, but but, but in, at least in my kids' ministry, when I was little, I was taught the only reason he couldn't see Jesus uh, and the only reason he climbed the tree was just because he was short and and that was it. But there's a few problems with that reading. Number one, that Greek word for short might actually refer to his age, not just his height. And, but number two, he technically didn't need to climb a tree. This was a parade. He could have just like went ahead and waited like we do at parades. Uh, but apparently that wouldn't work for Zacchaeus. Why not? Rather than seeing this scene as Zacchaeus being too short, this actually has more to do with the crowd than Zacchaeus. According to scholar Joel B. Green, this is the story of a crowd actively boxing Zacchaeus out, refusing Zacchaeus the privilege of seeing Jesus as Jesus passed by. So this is, this is hostility right now. Um, and we know this story all too well. This is classic hostility over hospitality. So listen, church family, our, our San Diego and our society and your families and neighborhoods, we have been through so much these past two years, so much hostility. And I recently heard Greg Pikin, one of our pastors, he was talking about these last two years. He's also a therapist, so he knows what he's talking about. And, and he said, our society will be unpacking the collective trauma of these past two years for the next five to ten. Um, and if that's true, then what our culture needs most is the healing that comes from a community that's committed to moving from hostility to hospitality at, at whatever, whatever it costs us, to love sacrificially in that way. Uh, but far too often, uh, the church behaves just like the crowd. Um, boxing out people who don't look like us, think like us, come from the same background as us. And instead of a hospitable presence, so many of us carry around hostility, the same hostility we absorb from the world. But thank God, Zacchaeus was desperate. That other, that deplorable, was desperate for Jesus. He wanted to see. 
He climbed up a tree over the heads of the crowd. And look what Jesus does. Look how Jesus responds to the Spirit's moment. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Hey, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So I was talking to Drew, our worship guy, before recording this. He's on the other side of the camera, and he's like, that is a moment. That's a, that's a Holy Spirit movement moment. The same way Jesus looked up. You got you to gotta think the biblical author is making a statement about what's more important, what's going on in the spiritual realm. Jesus saw what God was doing in the life of someone who everybody thinks is far from acceptable. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does in a community that's breathing out the presence of God. And Jesus uses this language, I'm staying at your house. <laughs> and this is all hospitality language, isn't it? In fact, this is reverse hospitality. Some of you guys, you know all about reverse hospitality. It's like, it's like you, it's not like you're coming to my house, it's I'm coming to your house, <laughs> which is beautiful and very Christ-like, by the way, you guys. I truly hope Many of you feel empowered after this teaching to engage in Christ-like reverse hospitality at Park Hill Church, like 100% serious. On a Sunday, you come in. Some of us married folks, we need to be the recipients of reverse hospitality, like more often, more often. And you unmarried folks, you need to feel way more empowered, way more Jesus permission from the Spirit to be like, hey, I'm coming over to your house for lunch today. Like, because Jesus did this, I'm just doing it right now, okay? I'm coming. Like, you need to feel that permission. Um, So see what's going on here. By inviting himself over to Zacchaeus' house, Jesus allows the sworn enemy to experience less hostility and more hospitality through intentional proximity. Jesus just wants to build a bridge. Tim Chester, in his book, A Meal with Jesus, which I highly recommend, A Meal with Jesus by Chester, he talks about this really important phrase that Luke uses in this book, the Gospel of Luke, and it's this phrase, the Son of Man came. The Son of Man came. And it's a verbal formula Luke uses to tell us what Jesus was all about. The Son of Man came. Uh, It happens twice in this book. Uh, Luke 19.10, right here in this passage, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And the other time it happens is in Luke 7. He says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And so Chester makes this point. Those two sentences are Luke's way of telling us what Jesus' purpose was. That first line from Luke 19 is the mission. It's the what. Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. But that second line from Luke 7 is the method. It's how he's seeking and saving. And how is it? Eating and drinking. And some of you right now are like, wait, this is evangelism? Meals? Yeah, like Luke's like, this, that's right. This was Jesus' form of welcoming the lost. So the question, how did Jesus seek and save? Answer, eating and drinking. This is what New Testament scholars call table fellowship. How are, how are you doing this? How are you breathing? See, this is what Jesus does. He's a peacemaker, not just a keeper of peace. He invites himself into the house of the deplorable enemy of the crowd, an enemy that had zero chance 
to redeem himself. Uh, no one would let him in. And, and, and humans haven't changed much in a thousand years, right? Like we've always been canceling each other. And I know, you know, cancel culture or whatever is trendy to talk about, but it's nothing new. It's not something that just happened in the last eight years once we got Twitter. Um, the reason Zacchaeus had to climb a tree was because he was canceled by the crowd. There's, and there was no way. There's nothing he could do to, like, win the crowd back. The crowd wrote him off. Even if he was like, I'm sorry, I repent, I want to make it right. Here's all my money. I throw it back at the Internet, and you guys can have it. People would just be like, oh, he's manipulating us. They've, they've already typecasted him. He's canceled. Because that was how he was. That's the truth. He was that way, which is why he needed Jesus to invade through hospitality and invite him to repent through loving in-person, real-life food and drink and conversation and time and space and welcome. And, and, and we don't like the next part very much. Not only did Jesus forgive Zacchaeus, but Jesus did something for the crowds. Jesus declared for the crowds to hear, hey, see this guy? He is forgiven. Not only that, he is a son of Abraham. Jesus actively spoke to the crowds for Zacchaeus' shame removal. You guys, that's hospitality. That, that is what hospitality does. That is why it's the healing, the healing stuff that the church needs to put out into the world. Watch this powerful verse 7. All the people saw this, began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of the sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up, said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay back four times. Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. See that? Jesus declares his identity in public and basically hugs him in public. And he says, For the Son of Man came for this. This is why Jesus, this is why the church is here, this is why Jesus is here, to be on this side of the fence. Um so do you see this? It's not just forgiveness, but it's, it's, act, it's active welcome. Jesus turns enemies into guests and guests into family. How are you doing this? How am I doing this? This is still what he does. It's still what Jesus wants through his church, through his family in the world, through the same Holy Spirit. This is a series all about the Spirit's work through Jesus' followers. This is what it looks like, you guys. Our primary purpose in the world is not to get our candidate elected or our enemy squashed, but to open our home, to set our table, eating and drinking, seeking and saving through eating and drinking, making family out of enemies. So that's Jesus' call on your life and my life through spirit-empowered hospitality as a practice so I, we use that word a lot at Park Hill, practice. Uh, Romans 12, 13 says, practice hospitality. It means intentionally make a rhythm of this. What does that look like? I have three challenges just to put before you in, in the form of entry level and then baseline and then reach goals when it comes to hospitality. Sometimes we get psyched about an idea, but <laughs> when it comes to implementation, we, we can flounder. Uh, I, that's, I'm speaking for myself in that for sure. So here it is, entry-level practice of hospitality. Go on a walk with the neighbor. 
Like if you have a dog, they have a dog, say, hey, let's do a dog thing. Let's like do a dog walk and meet in a dog park. Whatever it is, like just find a connection point, go on a walk. Um, that's like, like base entry level. And then, and then baseline, like regular practice, work towards a monthly rhythm of inviting people in your home, eating a meal with them, people who don't share your ideology. Um, it's, this is intentionality. And then the reach goal would be beautiful is that you have a weekly rhythm of some form of concrete hospitality, heart beating through your life. So what would it look like to rehabituate your body to welcome the stranger? Maybe it really is as simple as a 10-minute walk. Or maybe hosting a block party on the driveway of your house to welcome all the new people who have moved in your neighborhood the last 18 months. Whatever it looks like, commit to it. And remember, hospitality is both a practice and it's just an everyday posture. Here's Henry Nouwen again. Hospitality should not be limited to its literal sense of receiving a stranger in our house, although it's important never to forget or neglect that. But as a fundamental attitude toward our fellow human being, which can be expressed in a great variety of ways. Today is Park Hill Together. So hopefully you can make it out, I think, in an hour <laughs> to Ingram Plaza, right by our church building. Be, in, be a hospitable presence there. Find someone you don't know who looks like they're staring at their phone alone and, and interrupt, interrupt their, their phone time <laughs> and give them your name and invite them to be a small part of your life that day. This is a posture. That's the beauty of it. You guys, this is doable. And this, this will actually create a wave, a, a wave of healing in an age of trauma, I believe. A wave of healing in an age of trauma. I mean, you already eat two or three meals a day, right? Um, it's just easy to invite someone in. So Francis Schaeffer, a Christian leader in the last century, he started Labrie, which is this community in Switzerland, a word that means shelter. And his vision was to create a place for secular people, people far from God, to just come and safely, with no judgment, ask deep questions. It's like, it's like the Alpha course today, but way before Alpha. Um, not to debate or dialogue, but to experience family. And, and Francis Schaeffer gave, gave this advice. Don't start with a big program. Start personally. Start in your home. I dare you. I dare you in the name of Jesus Christ. Do what I'm going to suggest. Begin by opening your home. There's no place in God's world where there are no people who will come share a home as long as it is a real home. It's so simple, it's easy to miss the power of it, right? And so just to end, final, my final thought. Uh, last year, 2021, and even into this year, one of the big conversations in like the pastor world and the, and the leader conference world was about hybrid church. You're experiencing hybrid church right now. Church through a screen, um, digital medium, which I'm so thankful for. But hybrid church is this idea of, of some in-person gatherings, but majority online church resources for everyone. Hybrid church. Uh, a bunch of coaches and leaders today and, and lots of pastors are saying that hybrid church is the future. And one leader said, quote, if we don't get on board now, we'll be JCPenney in an age of Amazon. Um, and they could be right, but I don't think so. Uh, 
And I'm not the only one. As many of you know, I'm part of a relational network of pastors and friends, many of whom have preached here at Park Hill, you know, Dave Lomas and John Mark Comer and John Tyson. And we believe together the future of the church is less digital, more embodied, less bits and more atoms. It's higher sacrifice, not lower sacrifice. Don't get me wrong. Again, I love that we can get a camera today and Drew's on the other side looking happy and smiling. I'm, I'm, great, I'm grateful for this and, and that you have a device to listen to this. Um, but for us, this camera digital live stream thing, it's way more of a concession. It's not a conviction. We think the future looks, like, looks less like a website and more like a table. Less like a machine and more like a living, breathing body that inhales community and exhales hospitality. There are just certain things that for 2,000 years have just been the way we follow Jesus. We come together around scripture, song, prayer, and above all, eat and drink the bread and wine together around a table and remember Jesus. And so as we receive the Holy Spirit, may he lead us deeper into community vulnerability, truly submitting to biblical authority in community, and then hospitality, where we invite people welcomingly into that deep life of the Spirit together. And there's going to be more of this in the future, not less. So if there's, just to close, if there's any way Park Hill leadership can be more helpful for you, uh, please email us reach out. We'd love to at least pray for you by name. If not, get you plugged into serving, breathing in and out, community hospitality, what it looks like to be part of, a, of an embodied, organic, real church. So may the Lord bless you, church. May he keep you. If you can't make it to Park Hill together today at 10 a.m., then we'll see you hopefully soon. Let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for being so good that you came embodiedly to us. You came as a human with blood flowing through your veins and a beating heart, breathing. And you breathe on us so that we might breathe your fragrance, your life onto one another. Help us do this. Help us be creative in it and bold and kind. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Grace and peace, church.